When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Hello, and welcome to War Horses, the only college equestrian podcast that knows the difference between a blank box on a score sheet and a zero. I'm your host, Auburn Elvis. Let's talk about some college equestrian. So, let's take a look back first, and uh, we'll begin the show by looking back at Week 13's action with some, some meat. meat. All right, Friday we had a couple of meets here. Uh, Sacred Heart at Bridgewater. Now I predicted this one would be 8-1. to one. It was not 8-1 to one, Sweetbriar. Fences went first. Sweetbriar won that 4-1. to one. So yeah, everything's going according to plan there. But then we had the flat and wow, Sacred Heart mounted a pretty big comeback. Uh, flat went 3-2 to two for the green to make the final score a strangely close 6-4 to four win for Sweetbriar. And I'll tell you, there was a rewrite on flat that if it had gone the other way, it would have made things a tie. Now, I think Sweetbriar still had the uh, be- the better of the raw points, but we did not expect Sweetbriar to be pushed this much at home. So we'll kind of keep an eye on them. For Sacred Heart, they have to feel good a- about this loss, or at least as good as you can. Uh, they went on the road to the NCEA's number one team, which is my number two team, and they almost got the upset. Now, I've been saying recently that Sacred Heart was in a group below the top three, but now, I don't know, I'm starting to reconsider that because they really did well. So, good job, Pioneers. Next is Baylor at Fresno State. Now, I predicted this would be a 10-8 to win for Baylor. Uh, that also did not happen. Here's what did happen. Fences and horsemanship went first, so in fences, Fresno State got the dirty sweep with four to nothing. So right there, Baylor is in trouble. You can pretty much tell what kind of day the Bears are going to have uh, by how their jumping seat starts out. And um, if they do well, you know, like they did against Georgia, then they're probably going to have a good day. If they didn't do well, then, you know, you just hope the meat kind of moves on quickly, I guess. Uh, in horsemanship, that went three to two for Baylor, so the halftime score was six to three Fresno State. That's not a huge lead, but when Baylor gets blanked in fences, it might as well be a huge lead. In the second half, flat was a 2-2 two two tie, and reigning went 3-1 for Fresno State, making the final score 11-6 Bulldogs. So yeah, road meets are tough, uh, but I can't think that Baylor is happy with that fences score. They were competitive in the other three events, but starting out that way practically took them out of the meet from the start. Um, now they just got to get ready for their next meet, which would come the, the following day. For Fresno State, they really needed this win. Uh, UC Davis looked pretty good last week beating Delaware State at a neutral site. So Fresno State is is basically looking around them at the other schools like Baylor, like UC Davis, UT Martin. And they're trying to look better than any of those schools. And so this win keeps them ahead of um, uh, some of those other teams in the rankings, at least for now. Also on Friday, we had Dartmouth at Auburn. Now this was a single discipline meet. Uh, I predicted this would go 9-1 to for Auburn. Auburn only had about one regular starter uh, in each event, Um, so it looked like, well, maybe that opens the door for Dartmouth. We'll see. This was also a four-on-four meet, uh, so here we go. 
Flat went two to two for Dartmouth, so kind of interesting score there. And then Fences went four to nothing for Auburn with a sweep, and that made the final score six to two Auburn. So this was a decent meet for Dartmouth. Uh, this is about what they would have gotten if they had been riding against Sweetbriar or Lynchburg. So, so yeah, good showing for them. For Auburn, uh, they had a large number of, of new starters, so there's not a lot we can take away from this one, but it did give those younger riders a chance to show off their stuff. So that's all of Friday's action. Over we go to Saturday. SMU at Oklahoma State. Now, I predicted this would be a 10-9 win for SMU. Let's see what happens. Fences was first off, and SMU won that 3-2. Raining followed up that, and here again, that went 3-2 for SMU. So everything looked good for the Mustangs, uh, even though they were on the road. Next up was Flat, and Oklahoma State made their move here. They swept the Flat 5-0, and just like that, they were in control of things. Horsemanship ended up going 3-2 for SMU, but that only made the final score a little bit more respectable, 11-9. So, uh, and, and that was a win for Oklahoma State, obviously. This was a big comeback for the Cowgirls. Uh, you know, SMU started out strong, but then that 5 nothing sweep on the flat was really the key to victory for them. Uh, this win will also uh, solidify that they, they are definitely going to get an invite to Ocala. There was maybe an open question about that with some of the losses they had been taking recently, but now, you know, getting this win at home against SMU, yeah, they're going to get an invite to Ocala. For SMU, man, they got to be kicking themselves for letting this one get away. Um, everyone is having trouble with these road meets. Uh, so if they could have gotten this one on the road, that would have been a really nice feather in their cap. It also shows that the separation between them and TCU is probably a little bit larger than what we thought maybe a week ago because TCU was able to go uh, into Stillwater and, and get the victory there. So, yeah. All right, next let's look at Dartmouth uh, versus UT Martin. This took place at Auburn. Uh, I thought this was going to go UT Martin 7-3. Uh, to three. Let's see what happened. Uh, UT Martin basically took the same page out of Auburn's playbook and started a whole bunch of new riders in this one, um, which is obviously not what Texas A&M did when they <laughs> faced Dartmouth. So uh, you would expect to see maybe the dual discipline schools going to give up a, a few more points uh, than they normally would if they had their full starters out there. Fences went 2-2, two to two and Flat went 3-1 to one for Dartmouth. So, when you add that up, that's a 5-3 to three Dartmouth win. Now, this was a really nice win for Dartmouth. They basically sat it there in the cold weather all morning just watching Auburn and UT Martin in their dual discipline meet, but then they got their chance, and when they did, they made the most of it. For UT Martin, this meet doesn't even really count. Uh, not even really. It does not count as a loss because that's the way the rules go. If you're a dual discipline team and you ride a single discipline meet, it doesn't go into your records. It only goes into theirs. So um, there's no harm in just seeing how that their their supporting riders could do. And uh, yeah, maybe, the, maybe Texas A&M should think about that. All right, next up, Bridgewater College at Swanee. Now, I predicted this would be a 5-3 win for Swanee. Here's what really happened. Fences went 3-1 for Swanee, and Flat went 3-1 for Swanee, and that adds up to 6-2 for Swanee. This was another nice win for Swanee. Um, now, they keep riding against those teams that are below them, but I really wish we could see how they would fare against Sacred Heart or Dartmouth this year. I don't think they're on the schedule. Um, so, yeah, it, it would be really nice to see. Now, we have seen them go up against um, uh, Sweetbriar and Barry, and those ended predictably. But, yeah, we just wonder how uh, Swanee would do either at home or a neutral side against one of those other teams. So, oh, well, they may have a chance in the conference tournament. We'll have to keep an eye on that. 
Next, let's look at Baylor at UC Davis. I predicted this one would be close. I thought it would be a 10-9 win for UC Davis. Here's what really happened. Fences started out first. Uh, here, fences went 4 to nothing for UC Davis. Not a great start for the Bears on the road. Uh, horsemanship was next. It went 3-2 to two for UC Davis. So, at the half, it was the Aggies out in front, 7-2. to two. It's tough to come back from that on the road. Uh, the flat was next. That went 4-1 to one for Baylor, so the Bears are starting to make a comeback here. And things were, uh, like I think it was like 8-6 to six at this point with raining, all the raining rides left to go. Well, raining went 3-2 to two for Baylor, and that made the final score 10-9 to nine for UC Davis, which is what I predicted, so I finally got one right. Um, this was a big home win for UC Davis. Uh, they fended off Baylor, uh, that, you know, they're, as I've said before, Fresno State, Baylor, UC Davis, UT Martin, and Delaware State to some extent. Those, those teams are all trying to get that last spot to go to Ocala. So just every week to see any of those teams, how well they do against one another is really exciting. Um, and yeah, the Aggies got the victory. For the Bears, yeah, this was almost a great comeback, uh, but man, just giving up the, the dirty sweep and fences like that, it's just tough to overcome. Um, Baylor did not ride well in fences, um, but they did ride well in the flat. They just got to put the two of those together at the same time, riding well. You can't, I mean, yeah, don't put together riding badly in fences, put together riding well in fences. That's what I meant. You got it. All right, on we go to UT Martin at Auburn. Now, I thought this would be a 13-6 win for Auburn. Here is what happened. The flat went first, and Auburn won that 3-2. Raining got things started over in Western, and that went 4-1 for Auburn. So, right there, that was a 7-3 lead for Auburn at the half. Great start, um, especially with the remaining events being two events that they typically do really well in. So, fences went 4-1 for Auburn, and that sealed the meet right there. And then horsemanship sort of finished things up. Auburn went 3-2 in uh, horsemanship. So when you add all that up, that's a 14 to 6 final score for Auburn. So the first takeaway here is that Auburn gets a win in the spring. Uh, as you know, they have been on a four meet losing streak, so uh, it's nice to get that monkey off their back. Um, now, UT Martin gave Auburn lots of trouble over in Martin, Tennessee back in the fall, but it was all Auburn on Saturday. And uh, I think Auburn really needed this uh, boost of confidence because um, they've got a couple of uh, top three teams visiting here in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, anything that'll help them out and get a you know get them back on the right track. That's that's what most of my listeners like to hear about. Uh, and for UT Martin, you know, this loss probably doesn't hurt them that badly in terms of, of whether or not they're going to get to Ocala. They've got a neutral site win over Baylor on their resume, and if they do well in the ECAC tournament, they might just grab that final spot to, uh, to get into Ocala. Okay, our next meet to look at, Texas A&M at Georgia. Now, this was a big one. I predicted this was going to go 10-8 to for Texas A&M, and uh, a lot of it, I thought, would hinge on how well Georgia did in raining. So, let's see what happened. Flat was first, and Georgia jumped out to an early 4-1 to lead. So, great start for the home team. Next was raining, and Georgia did get the better of things here. They won that three to two. Fences was next, uh, and Georgia swept fences five to nothing. And then in horsemanship, Texas A&M won that four to one. Um, but basically, the meet had been decided by then, so it kind of didn't matter. Uh, the final score ended up being uh, thirteen to seven, so a convincing win by Georgia at home over Texas A&M. So for the Aggies, even with this uh, uh, loss, they're still going to finish first in the SEC regular season. Even if they end up with the same record as Georgia, uh, they're going to have the uh, tiebreaker 
Um, the first tiebreaker is how you did head-to-head, -head, and they both uh, won at home against each other. The second tiebreaker is that margin of victory. Well, they have the same margin of victory from their two meets. And so the third tiebreaker is the difference in the tiebreaker scores when you add up uh, both uh, tiebreaker scores uh, from both meets. And Texas A&M would win that by a combined total of 3,200.75 to Georgia's 3,159.5. So, uh, yeah, um, but A&M's going to be number one at the end of the regular season in the SEC. Uh, but still, this was a big victory for Georgia. Uh, they have locked up second place in the SEC because uh, they have the, the same sort of tiebreakers over Auburn. So, yeah, even if uh, Georgia and Auburn wind up tied with the record, Georgia will be your number two team. All right, now let's take a look at Sacred Heart at Lynchburg. Now, I thought this was going to be a 7-2 win for Lynchburg, uh, but we saw Sacred Heart give Sweetbriar uh, a little bit of trouble the day before. Would they do the same to Lynchburg? Well, let's see what happened. Lynchburg won fences 4-1, and then the Hornets won the flat 4-0. So, that made the final score 8-1 Lynchburg. So with Sacred Heart, this was probably a tall order to kind of, you know, ask them to keep things close at Sweetbriar and then go do the same thing to Lynchburg. Still, though, the Pioneers looked pretty good, and I, I think they're they're definitely among those uh, middle-tier teams that, you know, if it was a neutral site, who knows, maybe they could get an upset against um, one of the top teams. For Lynchburg, I really hope the NCEA voters are paying attention because these Hornets just have a better resume than everybody else in the nation right now. As I've said, I've got them at number one, the NCA does not, and hopefully that'll change because, you know, they are, they're just looking better when they go into these meets. And on Sunday, we have one more meet to talk about, um, Barry College at Swanee. I thought this was going to be 6-2 uh, to two, just like it had been previously in the fall, but we never really got a chance to see because I got word on Friday that this meet was being canceled. Apparently, Barry was having some roster issues and they had to forfeit. So this technically goes down as a forfeit win for Swanee. It's not great that, that Barry had to forfeit this meet. Uh, it's still their first year in the league, and they've got some growing pains, and all that's understandable. So hopefully they'll get all that ironed out, and they'll come back stronger in the future. For Swanee, you know, they had a really good week. Uh, they got this win technically, but they got an actual win over Bridgewater um, earlier in the weekend. So that's the one that really counts. So that was all of this weekend's action. Now let's turn our attention to the Golden, Golden Scorshi Awards. Awards. The Golden Score Sheet Awards is a competition where each week I review all of the official score sheets and award deductions and bonus points based on the number of errors that I find. Every team began the season with 100 points, and at the end of the season, the team or teams with the highest point totals will win an actual award from me commemorating their achievement and outstanding records keeping. All of the score sheets from the past two weeks have posted, so I went back and I found a few errors here and there. Uh, mostly, whoever's filling out your school's score sheet really needs to make sure that they write down a zero in a box instead of leaving it blank. Blanks are not the same as a zero. Uh, blanks mean that no information was recorded, but a zero means that something was recorded and that something was the absence of points. That's a very important distinction, and the more that y'all work with data, the more that you're going to appreciate the difference. Also, Texas A&M, last week when you guys hosted South Carolina, you had a few cells near the bottom of your sheet that were rounding up to the nearest tenths of a point. So when the Western total, for example, should have been showing 581.25, it was instead showing 581.3. Now those are not the same thing, so you got a deduction for those. 
And you know, it kind of worries me personally because I know that y'all are hosting the SEC tournament this year. So please, please take a look at your spreadsheets. Make sure those aren't uh, uh, rounding things incorrectly uh, before we get to the tournament time. Okay, so back to the actual standings. At this point, I am all caught up on everybody's score sheet. So here's where the top teams are in the standings. In first place, with a perfect 100 points, is Sacred Heart. Now, Oklahoma State is in second place with 98 points. Baylor is in third place with 97. TCU and UT Martin are tied for fourth with 96 points. And Auburn and Delaware State are tied for sixth with 95. If I didn't mention your school, it's because they're pretty far on down the list. Uh, some of y'all are really far on down the list, like Georgia, who was in last place with 42 points, or Lynchburg and Sweetbriar, who seem to be having a race to the bottom with uh, 69 and 70 points respectively right now. And, and most all of that is because people are not filling in blanks with zeros when it should be a zero. Um, but I do want to point out that right now, TCU has one more meet coming up this Friday. If they continue to get the bonus points for putting the home team on the right, and if they fill out all the other actual information correctly in their score sheet, they are going to get five bonus points, no deductions, and then that would move them into first place with 101 points. So we're going to keep an eye on that and see how that goes uh, next week. So with all of that out of the way, let's take a look at the official Auburn Elvis College of Question Rankings. Okay, so I've got to say something about this South Carolina situation that's going on. Basically, the NCAA voters are uh, suffering from recency bias. They are only looking at what happened in the most recent weekend, and then they're going to whatever they have their existing rankings as, and they're just making adjustments based on that. That is not how you get good rankings. Instead, what you should do is every week go back and re-examine every team's resume and, and order them based on that. If you do that, you get rankings like mine. If you don't do that, you get what's happening to South Carolina right now in the NCEA rankings. Now, I'm recording this before this week's NCAA rankings come out, but the past two weeks, what the people have basically been doing is they've been looking at the results and going, oh, a team above South Carolina lost. Okay, let's move South Carolina up then. But they're not asking the critical question of, is South Carolina actually better than that team that was above them? And this week, the reason I'm bringing this up again is because there are two teams above South Carolina that both lost, and it would not shock me to see the rankings people just moving South Carolina up and maybe even having them second overall in the nation, which is absurd. South Carolina is fourth in the SEC right now, and that is not my opinion. That is a fact based on their record. There are three teams ahead of them in their own conference. But the rankings people have South Carolina above both Georgia and Auburn this past week. That is just crazy. If this keeps up, then South Carolina shouldn't just, they should not ride any more meets this season because eventually every team above them will lose and then South Carolina will be crowned the national champs without having ridden any more meets because that's how the rankings people are, are doing things. And that's really absurd. So again, that's not how you're supposed to rank teams. Here is how you are supposed to rank teams. Number one is TCU. <laughs> they are 9-0, they are undefeated, and this is one of the few rankings that even the NCA has not messed up. Number two is Texas A&M. Yo, 
Yes, the Aggies just lost at Georgia, but when you look at their entire resume, they are 6-2 and two with the second strongest resume in the nation. They are number one in the SEC, they have been undefeated at home, and they have only lost two road meets. Number three is SMU. <laughs> the Mustangs barely lost at Oklahoma State, making their overall record an impressive 7-3. and three. They are also undefeated at home, and they have dropped three road meets. Number four is Georgia. The Bulldogs followed up their defeat of Auburn with one against Texas A&M. Their record is also 7-3. and three. Uh, They are second in the SEC, they are undefeated at home, and they have two road losses and a neutral site uh, loss to TCU. Number five is Auburn. The Tigers got their second win over UT Martin to improve to 6-4 and four overall. They are number three in the SEC, they are undefeated at home, and their four losses are all on the road. Number six is South Carolina. The Gamecocks were idle this week, but that doesn't mean we should just automatically move them up. They should remain at number six because their resume, it is six and five. Uh, They are not undefeated at home. They are fourth in the SEC. And if that bothers you, Gamecocks fans, I'll just point out that is still better than three quarters of the Big 12. So even being last in the SEC, you're still one of the better teams in the nation. I'm not saying you're terrible. I'm just saying you are sixth. And there's nothing wrong with being six, because that is accurately where you are. Speaking of uh, teams in the Big 12, at number seven, we have Oklahoma State. The Cowgirls got a big win over SMU, and that will even out their series with SMU. Uh, The Cowgirls' record is still on the negative side. They only have four wins and five losses, but they are second in the Big 12, so they're in a pretty good position. Number eight is UT Martin. The Skyhawks lost this weekend at Auburn, but they still have a few decent wins on their resume. They are 4-7 overall, but are tied for first in the ECAC conference. Now, remember, the top eight teams are the ones that are going to get the invitations to the national championship tournament down in Ocala. So, if the season ended today, those are the eight most deserving teams. After them, there are still a few teams with realistic shots of climbing into the top eight. Number nine, UC Davis. Hello! Aggies got a home win over Baylor to improve to 4-4 overall. They are also tied for first in the ECAC with UT Martin. And at number 10, we have Fresno State. The Bulldogs get jumped in the rankings by UC Davis. Uh, Their record is only 2-7. They're currently in fourth place in the Big 12, mainly because they've already played TCU twice and Baylor has not. Once that evens out, they'll be tied with Baylor, and then we'll just have to see what the tiebreakers do as far as how their margin of victory in those meets go. Okay, so now let's look at some single-discipline teams in the rankings. Number one is Lynchburg. The Hornets had a little trouble with Sacred Heart this week, and so they stay in the number one position. Number two is Sweetbriar. Uh, The Vixens did have a little bit of trouble with Sacred Heart, so um, I feel good that they are the number two team in the nation right now. Number three is Dartmouth. 
Um, now, again, they're the only team below those top two teams that have uh, beaten one of them. So they have that home win over Sweetbriar, but they did lose at home when Lynchburg came to town. So this is number three is where they should be. Number four is Swanee. The Tigers beat Bridgewater. Uh, they also got a forfeit win over Barry this weekend, and that makes their overall record a respectable 3-2. and two. Number five is Sacred Heart. The Pioneers are really victims of poor scheduling. They lost to Sweetbriar and Lynchburg again this weekend, although, like I said, they did give Sweetbriar some real trouble on the flat. Uh, but as a result, their resume just continues to take a pounding. Now, I will admit that there is a very good chance that they are the fourth best team in the nation, but since they mostly ride against teams that are in those top three positions, they've taken a lot of losses on their record. Meanwhile, you see a team like Swanee, where they've ridden a couple against teams one and number two, but then they've ridden also against some teams below them that aren't as good as them, and that makes their resume look better because they're actually getting some wins, whereas Sacred Heart is not getting a lot of wins. So I'm sorry, Pioneers, but you, you, you really need to do a jo better job scheduling because if you're not going to beat the good teams in the league, then you better beat the bad ones. And right now, you're not really doing either, so you're, you're at number five. Number six is College of Charleston. Uh, the Cougars were idle, so they're going to remain at number six. Number seven is Bridgewater College. The Eagles lost to Swanee, but they stay at number seven because at least they showed up for the meet, unlike our last team, which is number eight, Barry College. Uh, the Vikings, like we said, had some sort of roster issues, so they had to forfeit to Swanee, which is not ideal. And that's all of our rankings. So heading into the home stretch of the regular season now, uh, everybody's trying to get their resumes all polished and ready for the postseason. So let's take a look at this week's Meet Previews. Oklahoma State at TCU. The Cowgirls just had a big home win over SMU, so can they replicate that at TCU? Let's take a look at how they compare to each other. I think fences will go 3-2 to two for Oklahoma State. I think flat will probably go three to two for a TCU. In horsemanship, I think that goes four to one for TCU. And I think reigning goes three to one for TCU. Add all that up, and I think we're looking at a 12 to seven win for TCU. SMU at Texas A&M. Can the Aggies rebound from that road loss and, uh, you know, get a win against SMU? Well, let's see. I think fences goes two to two for both teams. I think the flat also goes uh, three to two for Texas A&M. In horsemanship, I think that goes 3-2 for SMU, and I think reigning is a 2-2 tie for both teams. Add that up, and I think we would get a 9-9 tie, and since I like to go with the home teams in these tiebreakers, that would be a 9-9 tiebreaker win for Texas A&M, but it should be a really good meet. Next is UC Davis at Fresno State. All right, so this is a big meet for both of the teams. We've talked a lot about how they're they're all trying to get to Ocala, so they got to get in that top eight. So let's take a look at how this one should go. Fences, I think that goes three to two for UC Davis. In the flat, I think that goes four to one for UC Davis. I think horsemanship ends up at a two to two tie, and I think reigning goes two to two as well. So if things go as the stats predict, I think we're looking at an eleven to seven win for UC Davis, even though it's on the road. And our final meet is Georgia at South Carolina. So we've covered that this meet isn't going to impact the SEC standings too much. 
but it would help South Carolina uh, and the NCA voters justify moving South Carolina up every week. So let's see what the stats uh, predict on this one. Fences looks pretty even, so we'll say this is a 2-2 two -to -two tie. Flat should go 3-2 to two for Georgia, horsemanship should go 2-1 to one for Georgia, and reigning should go 3-2 to two for South Carolina. Add that up, and I think we're looking at a 9-8 to eight win for Georgia. So the end of the regular season is approaching fast. Everybody needs to make that big final push and get ready for the postseason. So tune in next week and see how everyone did and which teams still don't know the difference between a blank box and a zero. That's all for this episode. I am your host, Auburn Elvis. I thank you very much for listening and War Horses. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.